Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Still some things the Lord wants to speak to us about spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, faith puts you in position where God is. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Once again, we know this is a real simple passage of scripture that most of us are familiar with. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And once again, we've been stating time and time again, we look at this and say, what does this mean? And we say that because we look at ourselves and we notice there's some things in our lives that haven't passed away. And there's some things in our lives that have not become new. But once again, it says here, if any man be in Christ, and we are in Christ. Come on, say amen, somebody. He is a what? New creature. Old things are passed away. It's saying if you, tr if you are truly born again, are we truly born again? In Christ, old things have passed away. That means they're not going to pass away. Come on, they're not in the process of passing away. As far as the scripture says, it's a done deal. Tell your neighbor, it's a done deal. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have what? Become new. Not some things, not just the big things, but all things have become what? New. And we found out it's not talking about your physical body, and it's not talking about your soul. We know there's a third part of you called the spirit. And it's in the spirit that you become a new person, not in your body and not in your soul. Some of you should have found that out by now. When you first got saved, you still want to do some crazy things and have some crazy thoughts coming to your mind. Then you're still wondering if you were saved or not. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. So it's not talking about your body. It's not talking about your soul. It's talking about your what? Spirit. And then we start talking about the combination of grace and faith. And we know grace is God's part, and faith is our part. Come on. And we said grace is the inevitable conclusion and destination of what I've been talking about, who you are in Christ. That's what it leads to. And see, God's not dealing with you based on your physical person or your actions. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. He's dealing, he's dealing with you based on who you are in Christ. But today, let's begin by turning to Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1. Once again, he's dealing with you based on who you are in Christ. I encourage you to get last week's tape, CD rather. You know, we don't say tape anymore. Some teenagers don't even know what a tape is anymore. <laughs> what meaneth this? <laughs> like my daughter, when she first seen the album, she said, boy, this is the big CD. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Isaiah 59, verse 1. Notice what it says here. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, 
and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity, and your lips have spoken lies, your tongue has mothered perverseness. Well, what is the point here? The point is, the reason God isn't moving and doing things, according to scripture, amen, doing things because your sins have separated you between, separated between you and your God. And this is what most preachers have been preaching. Come on, say amen, somebody. We've been making people sin conscious. And what has been happening is people believe God is moving in their life proportional to their performance. So if you sin, you don't get the blessing. So they believe God won't answer their prayer, prayer of a sinner. Come on. God won't answer your prayer if you got things wrong. Amen. Amen. And this is verified in scriptures like this throughout the Bible. But here's a simple answer to all this. Amen. To the belief that God is dealing with you according to your performance, dealing with you according to your sins or your sins separating you from God. This scripture is predominantly in the Old Covenant. And there's a difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. But most people think it's one blank page in your Bible. Come on, say amen, somebody. There's a huge difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. I'm going to go slow so you can get this. Come on, say amen, somebody. And that's all right. That's the reason they got different names. That's the reason we call it the Old Covenant. Look at Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. And it reads, But now has he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is a mediator of a what? Better covenant which was established upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. And drop down to verse 13. In that he saith a what? A what? New covenant. He has made the first what? Old. Now, which, now that which decayeth and wax old is ready to what? Vanish away. See, there's a difference. There's a difference between the way God dealt with people in the Old Testament than it is the way God dealt with people in the New Testament. And I'm going to explain it, but let's look at one other scripture. Go to Leviticus 20, verse 9. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 9. Once again, there's a difference between the way God dealt with people in the Old Testament than it is the way God deals with people in the New Testament. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 9. And this has some bearing on what's happening in our society today. And it'll help you if you can understand what I'm saying. Amen? Now, Leviticus chapter 18 and chapter 20 is putting down moral laws about how you are to conduct yourself. What is the proper conduct? And in verse 9 it says, for everyone that curseth his father or mother shall be what? Surely put to what? Death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood shall be upon him. 
if we were living by this today, there would be a lot of people in this room that have been dead already. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. Hallelujah. In verse 10 it says, And the man that committed adultery with another man's wife, even he that committed adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress, shall be what? Shall surely be put to death. And the man that lied with his father's wife has, has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall be what? Surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. And if a man lie with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall what? Surely be put to death. They have wrought confusion. Their blood shall be upon them. And if a man also lie with mankind, as he lie with a woman, this is talking about homosexuality, both of them have committed an abomination, and they shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. And if a man take a wife and her, and with, and her mother, it is wickedness. They shall be burnt with fire, <laughs> both he and they, that there be what? No wickedness among you if a man lie with a beast. <laughs> he shall surely be put to what? Death, and you shall slay the beast. I don't know what happened to the other person, but. <laughs> and if the woman approach any, in, unto any beast and lie down here too, thou shalt what? Kill the woman and the beast, and, shall, and they shall what? Surely be put to death, and their blood shall be upon them. And if a man take his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter, and see her nakedness, and she, and she see his nakedness, it is a wicked thing. They should be cut off in the sight of their people. He has uncovered his sister's nakedness. He shall bear his what? Iniquity. And if a man lie with a woman having her sickness, talking about her period, and shall uncover her nakedness, he has discovered her fountain, and she has uncovered her fountain of her blood, and both of them should be cut off from among their people. And this goes on and on and on. My, my, but my point in reading this today is people who are taking a stand on homosexuality, they'll quote this verse, and they'll quote a verse of 2 Kings 23.7. Just put it up on screen. You don't have to turn there. And it says, they break down their houses of the sodomites that were by the house of the Lord where the woman wove hangings for the grove. They'll quote other scriptures like that that state homosexuals, homosexuals have to be put to death. And homosexual even use the scripture and say, you mean to tell me that you're supposed to kill homosexuals and break down their houses? And that's the problem we had in Florida. This guy was thinking that he's supposed to kill homosexuals. And I wouldn't doubt if he tried to use scripture to do it. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. And see, there's no one in here that wants to kill homosexuals. And the Holy Spirit is witnessing to you that that's not the way you're supposed to treat them. So how do we deal with people with this? See, there are ministers that say this is not the true word of God. This was just Moses just saying these things. Come on, say amen, somebody. So they, they, what they do? They just discount it. Or they will say it was misrepresented there. Amen. There were mistakes that were made and and people began to do what? They began to take away the truth of the word. 
and just cherry pick which scriptures they wanted to believe. But there is a real simple answer to this. The answer is, it is under the old covenant that God held sins against them. Let me say it again. It's under the old covenant God held people's sins against them. He imputed people's sins to them, but under the new covenant, he doesn't impute our sins. Turn to Romans 4, 6. Once again, it's under the old covenant God held people's sins against them. And he imputed sins to them, but under the new covenant, he doesn't impute our sins. Romans 4, 6. Notice what David's describing here, Romans 4, 6. It said, even David also described the what? The blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without worth. David was looking as he said, man, whew, I, wish I, live, I wish I would live in their time. Verse 7 saying, blessed are they whose what? Iniquities are forgiven and whose what? Sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not. Will not what? Impute sin. David was looking at, at the new covenant while he's under the old covenant. He was saying, boy, these people are going to be so blessed because they, they won't have to deal with what we do with under the old covenant. They don't have to depend on works. Their iniquities are forgiven. Their sins are covered. God will not hold their sins against them. Now understand this. Now all of these things are still wrong today. And we're still supposed to live a godly life, but our punishment was placed upon Jesus. And this is the great difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Our sins were judged under the Old Covenant. But under the New Covenant, our sins have been judged too. But guess what? Not in you. It was placed upon Jesus. Come on, are you with me out here? So you don't, have to, you don't have to go and say, well, the old covenant was wrong or the word wasn't, you know, the word wasn't right and we don't have to observe the old covenant. No, you don't have to observe it in the sense that we have to bear the punishment. And we don't have to offer animal sacrifices anymore. Why? Because Jesus' sacrifice ended all sacrifices. Come on, are you with me out here? But everything that was in the Old Testament was there for a reason. And here's a quick explanation. There's more, but this is all we have time for today. Here is an analogy. Are you listening? Today, we don't have a cure for cancer. So if you get cancer, they will begin what? Cutting parts of your body off. Right? And they'll take you and radiate you and do things that would kill a well person. And they're doing, what they're doing is they're trying to save your body. And they will sacrifice a part in order to save the whole because it's incurable. Are you following me out here? But if we had a cure for cancer, 
Who in their right mind will let somebody cut off parts? Come on, parts of their body, or allow them to give you radiation and go through all the things that people go through. Come on, say amen, somebody. And see, the only reason we respond to it that way or the way we do is because why? There isn't a cure for it. And we don't do something about it to inhibit it. It will spread and kill you. Are you listening to me out here? Well, listen, in the Old Covenant, there was no cure for sin. Specifically, there was no way to get delivered from demons. Old Testament people were not born again. They didn't have a new spirit on the inside of them. They could not be delivered. In all the Old Testament, listen, there are only 17 times that Satan is even mentioned. 14 times, 14 of the times are in Job. All right, listen to me out here. One is in 1 Chronicles 2.11. There's one in Psalms 19.6. Two times in Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. And see, there are times in the New Testament where you have in one chapter, Satan has mentioned more than that. Why is that? Because in the Old Covenant, they couldn't rebuke the devil. Anybody listening to me in here? They couldn't get delivered, and in, and in the new covenant, you can. So we now have a revelation of a spiritual things. We do. Do you have a revelation of a spiritual things? And we can rebuke the devil. And it's a different day. See, we know the spirit behind all the stuff we just mentioned in Leviticus. See, in this day, these things are listed in, 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 these things that we just read in Leviticus, in this day, we know all that stuff is demonic. Somebody say demonic. demonic. Sexual perversion is demonic. I don't care what you say, homosexuality is demonic. It is not normal. It's a perversion. And nobody in their right mind would do that because why? It's under the influence of the devil. It's demonic and you, listen, and you couldn't get delivered under the old covenant. So God dealt harshly with it because it was like a cancer that if he hadn't dealt with it, it would have spread and there wouldn't have been any virgin left. For Jesus to have come into this world through. That's how bad it was getting. So it was like cutting out a cancer. But in the new covenant, we got a cure for it. Oh, Y'all ain't here, man. What's his name? What's his name? It's forgiveness. Jesus has paid for the sins of the homosexual and the rapist and the murderer. And all these things are listed in Leviticus. The sins have been paid for. 
Matter of fact, that's what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Turn there. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Paul says, Know you not that the right, unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? He said, Be not deceived. Neither what? Fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infinite, nor abusers of themselves with what? Mankind. Come on, he's talking about homosexuality. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall what? Inherit the kingdom of God. And then in verse 11 he says, and such <laughs> were some of you. <laughs> Come on, he's talking to this church that just got delivered. He says, such were some of you. So there was, he was dealing with homosexuality back in that time. He said, but you are washed and you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God. This was good news for them because why? They were living under the old covenant. Now there was deliverance for them. There was a cure. His name was Jesus. Matter of fact, look at Acts 13, 38. Paul preaching, Acts chapter 13, verse 38, it says, Be it known unto you all, unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, talking about Jesus, is preached unto you what? Unto what? The what? The forgiveness of sin. There's a cure. What? Forgiveness of what? And by him, all that believe are what? All that believe are what? Justified by how many things? All things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. How clear do you want it? Come on, this makes it clear. Under the law of Moses, there were things that you could not be delivered and freed from. And we've seen that listing in Leviticus. Come on, say amen, somebody. But under the new covenant, you can be freed from them. So today, if your children curse you, you don't have to kill them. <laughs> Some of y'all may want to. <laughs> Today, we don't kill homosexuals. We don't kill adulterers. But does that mean that the standard has changed? No. It's still wrong. It's just that now we offer the cure. Well, look at Leviticus 20, verse 11 again. Come on, are you still with me? Tell your neighbor, we have a cure. Leviticus 20, verse 11. I want you to look at this because we're going to see an instant of this in the New Testament. It said, a man that lies with his father's wife has what? Uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall be surely be what? Put to death, and their blood shall be upon them. If a land lies with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. If they have wrought confusion, their blood shall be upon them. This is talking about incest, right? It says they should be what? Put to what? Put to what? Put to what? Death. 
Well, this very thing happened in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Turn it. This very thing happened in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Some of you remember this account. It said it is reported commonly that there is what? Fornication among you. And such fornication as is not so much, na- much as named among the Gentiles. In other words, even the Gentiles ain't doing this. And he's talking to the church. <laughs> even the heathen haven't went this far. <laughs> Come on. He says, and such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. And said, you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that has done this deed might be taken away from you. For verily, for by verily, as absent body, but present spirit have judged already as though I, I were present concerning him that has done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you have gathered together in, in my spirit and with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one unto Satan for the what? destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glory is not good. Know ye not a little leaven, leaven the whole lump? Let me read this from the Amplified Translation. It says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, impurity of a sort that is condemned and does not occur even among heathen. For man has his own father's wife, and he says, and you are proud and arrogant. In other words, this man has taken his father's wife and was living with her, and they were in the church. They were living together, and they were not ashamed of what they had done. They were boldly living this way, and he reproved them by the Holy Spirit that they should not be boasting about what they were doing. Come on, say amen, somebody. Why would you boast about something like this? Because they were under their own understanding that they were under grace. To them it doesn't matter because why? They're not confined to the law. And they kept taking it further and further and further. What does it matter? And he says in verse, it says, and, and you ought rather to what? Mourn. Bow and sorrow and shame until the person who has done this shameful thing is what? Removed from your fellowship and your midst. It's something that you should be ashamed of. And it's something that they should be ashamed of. It goes on to say in verse 3, And as, 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 my, as, as for my attitude, though I am absent from you in body, I am present in spirit, I have already cited and passed judgment as if actually present. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, on the, on the man who has committed such a deed, when you and my own spirit are met together with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are to deliver this man over to Satan for physical discipline to destroy carnal lust which prompted him to incest. This doesn't mean you curse them. That doesn't mean you curse them. It means you withdraw your prayers and your fellowship from them. Get away from them. that his spirit may yet be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hopefully they'll get convicted and turn around. About the condition of your church. 
He says, your boasting is not good. Indeed, it is most unseemly and entirely out of place. Out of what? Place. In other words, you are dealing with this the right way. In other words, he's saying, you're patting them on the back and it's not good. You giving them your consent that it's all right is not good. He said, do you not know that just a little leaven will ferment the whole lump of dough? He said, if you let this kind of thing continue like leaven, it will spread. Because why? Others will think it's all right to do the same thing. So it says, purge, clean out the old leaven that you may be fresh, new dough, still uncontaminated as you are for Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Now, notice it, it doesn't say kill him. According to Leviticus chapter 20. No, he says, he just says, separate yourself from this man and don't have any company with him. And they responded strongly. They dealt with them. If they were singing in the choir or serving in the ministry, they pulled them. Come on, say amen, somebody. But now, if you go to 2 Corinthians 2, 6, but now he writes and he says, that's enough. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. He says, that's enough. He said, now you need to forgive them. That's what he says here. Verse 6, sufficient to such a man is this punishment, which was inflicted of many, so that contrary you ought to rather what? Forgive him and what? Comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be what? Swallowed up in overmuch sorrow. Wherefore I beseech you that you do that you would confirm your love towards him. For to this end also I did write to you, I did write that I might what? Know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things, to whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave, for your sakes forgave, I in, what in the person of Christ, lest Satan should what get advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So instead of killing them, Paul said what? He says, after you separate yourself from them, after you pulled from them, dealt with them about what they were doing, forgive them and love on them again. Forgive them and love on them again so that they won't be swallowed up in sorrow about what they did. This is a scriptural example that you don't have to kill the person that commits incest. You don't kill the homosexual. But guess what? It's still wrong. Turn neighbor, it's still wrong. So you, you don't have to sit here and say, well, the Old Testament scriptures are not accurate, so we don't have to go by them. No, you can't say that. They still have a great influence in our lives today. They still show us what's right and wrong, but the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant is that the Old Covenant, Jesus, that, that in the Old Covenant, Jesus, was not, Jesus had not paid for their sins in the Old Covenant, but in the New Covenant, Jesus had paid for our sins. 
Are you following me out here? And that needs a little explanation because you do pay for your sins, but not from God. Let me explain that. Here's a way to describe it. There's a twofold effect of sin. See, sin was not only a transgression against God that deserved his wrath and judgment. That's what we call a vertical relationship. But there's also a horizontal effect to sin. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Turn there. Let me say that again. You do pay for your sins, but not from God. Let me say it again. You do pay for your sin, but not from God. Let me get this clear again. You do pay for your sins. So don't think you're just going to get away and do all this craziness and don't pay for your sins. But just not from God. Okay. Romans 6.16. It said, know ye not that to whom you yield your servants to obey, his servant you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto what? Death. Or what? Obedience unto what? Righteousness. So even if God doesn't release his wrath on sin because now in the new covenant it's already been paid for and he's not going to punish you for your sin, sin still has consequences because, listen, because it's a direct inroad of Satan into your life. Even if God doesn't release his wrath on sin, because now in the new covenant it's already been paid for, and he's not going to punish you, he's not going to punish you for your sin. He's not going to punish you for your sin, but sin still has consequences because why? It's a direct inroad of Satan into your life. If you go out and live in homosexuality, if you go out and commit simple acts with your mother or your, or your, or your mother-in-law and all these other things that are listed in Leviticus 20, I guarantee you, you're going to give Satan free access into your life. <laughs> Say it again. I guarantee you, you're going to give Satan free access into your life. He says in verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. As for you have yielded your members servant to what? Uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity. Even so now what? Yield your members servants to righteousness unto what? Holiness. For when you were servants of sin, you were free from what? Righteousness. Even though you were made righteous because of the guilt associated with it, sin, it disconnects you from the righteous consciousness. Are you with me out there? Then he says in verse 21, what fruit had you then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is still what? Still what? Listen, the inroad of those things, the inroad of those things is Satan entering in and causing death. That's what sin does. But God's not doing it. 
John 10.10, 10, what's it say? The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that they might have what? Life, and that they are what? Might have it more what? Monday. If you give Satan inroad into your life, he's going to eat your lunch and pop the bag. Do you hear me? So you don't want to do this. But God, listen, but does God reject you and punish you? No. And most churches still preach that God is going to judge your sin. He won't fellowship with you. He won't answer your prayers and all these things. No, Jesus has forgiven all of your sins, past, present, and future. God is not going to reject you or punish you. Now, he will point sin out. He'll point sin out because why? Because he loves you. And he doesn't want Satan to gain access to you. Is anybody listening to me in here? So he'll help you overcome sin, but he's not going to reject you. And think about it. If he was to reject you, over which sin is he going to reject you over? <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. Come on. Well, then you'd have to do what? You'd have to, you'd have to start categorizing sin. Amen? Saying, well, there are acceptable sins, and there are unacceptable sins. But guess what? There are no acceptable sins. Sin is still sin in the eyes of God. Come on, say amen, somebody. What's it say in James chapter 2, verse 10? Turn there. James chapter 2, verse 10. It says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law, yet offend in one point, he is what? Guilty of all. Is there anyone in here that is arrogant enough to say you do everything perfect and you don't offend in one point. See, people will say, well, you got to live holy. You have to ask them, well, are you saying you're perfect? No, I'm not perfect, but I do my best. I do the best I can. Well, it says here, that's not good enough. If you stay under the law, you either have to be perfect to receive from God or you have to put faith in Jesus who was perfect and get it through him, get it through his perfection. You can't mix the two. Romans 11.6. What's it say here? Romans 11.6. And if by... And if by, if by grace, then there's no more, otherwise grace is no more grace. But if it be by, uh, be of works, then there's no more what? Grace, otherwise what? Work is no more work. It's saying, listen, it's one of the two, not a combination of the two. It can't be you doing your best. You can. 
and Jesus is making up the difference. Let me say it again. It can't be you doing the best you can and Jesus making up a difference. You've got to either trust in Jesus and his righteousness, which excludes you. And you got or you got to trust in yourself and your righteousness, which excludes Jesus. You can't mix the two. If you try to mix your goodness with God, then you're going to pollute it. There's a story of a preacher whose son wanted to go to movies. He knew, he knew his dad wasn't going to let him go, so he tried to con his dad and say, all the other kids are going. You know how your cheaters do. And his dad asked him, well, what's the rating on the movie? He said, it's rated R, but it's really not that bad. There's just a little bit of nudity. There's just a little bit of sex. Some brief moments of cussing. There's just a little bit. Then he says, then everybody else in the church is going. <laughs> and he's trying to lobby his father to let him go, and his dad wouldn't let him go. And he got hurt by it, but his dad compensated for it and told him, what you can do, you can invite your friends over to our house. So he invited his friends over to the house, and they were playing in the backyard. And his dad went out, and he made some brownies for them. And he called them all in and said, I got some brownies for you here. And they all got their brownies, and just before they ate them, he says, now, before you eat them, let me tell you. Come on. They got just a little bit of dog poop in them. <laughs> Not a lot, just a little bit. You'll never taste it. It won't make you sick. It's okay, but there's just a little bit of your uh, a dog poop, a dog poop that I put in them. And he made his point. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. Why? Because who wants to eat? a little bit of dog poop in their brownies. So somebody that says, you know, I do pretty good. But the moment you add what you're doing for Jesus, you have polluted it, and you have added your poop to Jesus. And some of you are probably saying, well, my poop is really good. <laughs> poop is still poop. <laughs> Go to Philippians 3, 4. Even Paul, who was the most educated man in his time, look what he said in Philippians 3, 4. He says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man think of that he, is, he has there whereof, he might trust in his flesh. He said, I no more. He said, I was circumcised the eighth day. I was of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of Hebrews. I mean, he had some credentials here. As touching law, I was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is of the law, in the law, blameless. 
But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yet doubtless I count all things but lost for the what? The excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have what? Suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, just another word of saying poop, that I may what? Win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through what? Faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God, by what? Faith, that I may what? Know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his what? Death. And what we do is we take our poop, and reframe it and put it on the wall for everybody can see. This is what I did. You put it right by the doorway, so when they come in the door, they can't miss it. You can't mix your goodness with what Jesus did for you. Come on, say amen, somebody. Well, people say, well, how about Psalms 24.3? Put that up there. How about Psalms 24.3 where it says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted his, his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. This was an Old Testament scripture when God was imputing sin unto you. Did you get that? Well, what about Deuteronomy 28? Now, if you do all these things and all these blessings will come upon you, but if you don't do them, all these curses will come upon you. Well, what does Galatians 3.13 say? Christ has what? Redeemed us from the what? Curse of the law, being made a what? Curse for us, for it is what? Written, curse is everyone that hang up on a tree, that the what? Blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through who? Jesus Christ, that we might what? Receive the promises of the Spirit through faith. See, Jesus turned every curse into a blessing so that I can now read those verses in Deuteronomy chapter 15 through 68, and instead of me getting the blasting and the mildew and the embroids and all these things, now that I, now what? Now I'm redeemed from all this through Jesus. Say, I'm redeemed. And see, people think God gave the law to help you. Now, it does help you in a sense where it shows you how rotten and sorry you are. Which is necessary. Because you got to come to the end of yourself to admit that you need a Savior. <laughs> come on, are you with me out there? So it has a purpose, but the purpose of the law was not to set you free. The purpose of the law was to bind you. 1 Corinthians 15, 56. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56. Are you still with me out there? It says, the sting of death is what? Sin. Notice it says, and the strength of sin is the what? The law didn't come to strengthen you. 
It came to strengthen sin. 2 Corinthians 3, 7, look what it says here. But if the administration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his confidence, which glory was to be done away. It's saying the law was the minister of death. Death. Verse 8, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For the ministration of condemnation be glory. Law, once again, was a ministration of condemnation. Much more does the ministration of righteousness exceed in what? In what? In glory. Look at Romans chapter 7, verse 8. Romans 7, 8 says, But sin, taken occasion by the commandment, by the commandment wrought in me all manner of what? Conspucience. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once. The law made sin come alive. But when the commandment came, sin what? Sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto what? Death. For sin taken occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it what? Slew me. See, the purpose of the law was to knock you down. To show you how guilt-ridden you are and to make you condemned. And there was a purpose for that. And there's a place for that. 1 Timothy 1.8. Turn there. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 8. Tell your neighbor there's a place for that. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.8 says, But we know that the law was what? Good if a man what? Use it what? Lawfully. Knowing this, the law was what? The law is not made for a what? There are righteous people in this room. The law is not made for a what? Righteous man, but for the lawless and what? Disobedience, and for the ungodly and for the what? Sinners, for unholy and profane, for murders of fathers and murders of mothers, and for manslayers, for whoremongers, and for them that define themselves with mankind. Are you listening to this now? For men stealers, ooh. <laughs> for liars, <laughs> for perjured persons, if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. See, the law isn't made for a righteous man. Well, who's righteous? The Christian, because why? We were what? Made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The law was made to lead a person or to actually shut them up and drive them to a need for a savior, and it has a purpose. But how many, we got religion today trying to get you back under the law. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. Matter of fact, listen, there's still a purpose for the Ten Commandments in a new covenant in this nation. To do what? To show people what right and wrong is and to make people who are godly feel bad. That's why they want to remove the Ten Commandments from every place. Because when they read them, it makes them feel bad. But it's not for the believer, folks. The believer has a greater law, and that is the law of love. Lift your hands to the Lord.
the law of love. The law of love. But you have to know the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. Do you have an understanding now? There was no cure in the old covenant. That's why they said kill them. Because they didn't kill them, it would spread. But in the new covenant, there's a cure. Come on, say amen, somebody. It's still wrong, but we have the cure. His name is what? Father, we just thank and we praise and we glorify you, Lord. Hallelujah. We'll finish this up next week, but I couldn't get it all to you today. Hallelujah. Father, we thank and we praise you. But you got to know that there's a difference. How God handled people in the Old Testament and how he's handling you in the New Testament. A lot of times, we blame all everything on God. You're blaming it on the wrong person. God's not mad at you. God's trying to get you back. He's trying to tell you, I still love you regardless of how crazy you're acting right now. <laughs> he said, my love will never fail you. I still love you in spite of yourself. And there's nothing you can do, nothing you can do nothing you can do to stop God from loving you. Absolutely nothing. God will never reject you. Do you hear me? Why? Jesus paid the price for all the things we've done. But like I said, there is still a price and consequences of sin. Hallelujah. That is, you allow Satan an open door to raise havoc in your life. You open that door, he is coming to kill. He is coming to steal. And he's still coming to destroy, even though you're under grace. But it just won't be God doing it. It was still was your choice who you yielded your members to. Hallelujah. Father, we thank and we praise and we glorify you.